0: I could not think of a single time where I had observed any of the men or women that I had written down in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I never once, and some of them I had spent a lot of time around, like a lot of time around. And I had never once seen them panic, frenzied, frazzled, attending to 30 things at once. I never once saw that. And I think that that connects directly to what we're talking about with busyness, is like, man, it's something about a mature leader that is able to sit in the power of simplicity. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Well, today, we're talking about a topic that's both important and urgent. That's because we're talking about the topic of productivity. And today I am not alone. Uh, I'm joined by one of our coaches, also former Path for Growth customer, Kyle Gimmer. Kyle, it's good to have you here, man. Yes, sir. I'm excited. So Kyle has been on the podcast before, but if you all have not met him, he has been a coach on our team. Gosh, how long have you been a one-on-one coach for now, Kyle? 10 months, 11 months. Unbelievable. Yeah. Golly. It feels like yesterday. My goodness. And it currently leads uh, anywhere between six to 20 one-on-one customers really through the process of implementing and installing the path for growth fundamentals in their business. And is just such an exceptional coach. He's, he's an incredible leader. I got to work with him one-on-one before he joined our team uh, and just a really good friend of mine. I'm really pumped to jump into this topic with you, Kyle, because I feel like you and I have voice memo conversations multiple times a month where we get on topics like the one we're going to talk about today on productivity, and we just end up going back and forth, and it just becomes like this vibrant conversation that oftentimes ends up becoming like, a one-hour phone call that we're like, golly, why are we not recording this? So I'm stoked (laughs) to jump into this topic with you because it's always so good when we get to talk about stuff like this. What I'd like to start with is just from your perspective, both as someone that ran a rapidly growing and scaling business and now working with other business owners in a coaching role, like why is this topic specifically of the enemies of productivity, the things that get in the way or block productivity, so important. Yeah, I think the the first thing
1: that comes to my mind is we're we're impact driven leaders and that means we're wanting to impact individuals and any time that is spent uh where Zach would say maybe in waste or unproductive or inefficient or ineffective is not impacting people. And it's spinning our tires on things that don't matter. And I would say is bad stewardship, ultimately, whether that's in our personal life or in our business or our leadership. And so we're wanting to be good stewards of the influence, the impact, the people, the business that we have. And we do that through being efficient and effective in our being productive.
0: It really is amazing. Anytime we record content on this particular topic, it always receives a pretty large uh, kind of overwhelming response. And I I think it, I I honestly think it ties into exactly what you just said is it's like the people that we attract by nature are people that want to produce. And they also want to produce like value with excellence. I think that's someone, whenever I look at like the landscape of our community it's like one of the defining factors that is a common thread between everyone we get to work with across the country. It's like they have a desire to produce excellence like continuously, right? And they want to be productive in that way. And, and yeah. I think so often as a result, when we don't experience those results, I can speak for myself personally here, when I don't experience the ability to produce excellence consistently, it can really get me in a rut, like it affects me emotionally. And oftentimes, the way that I get out of that rut is by identifying the thing that's blocking me from productivity. So that's why I think I think this content in particular is going to be so powerful is because you and I just spend a little bit of time saying like, what are the things that we have seen in our lives, in our leadership, and in the lives and leadership of the people that we work with, That so often stand opposed to productivity, and then hopefully we can talk about some really tactical practices for overcoming those those enemies. Yeah, game on. Sounds good. So we're gonna walk through all. There we go. I like it. Uh, (laughs) We're gonna walk through all six one at a time. Uh, Let's go into number one. The first enemy of productivity is busyness, and so whenever I think of this, I always think about the idea that. Keep in mind that just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. And so often I can see examples in my career where it's like, I was doing a lot, but I wasn't getting a lot of results. So that's the first thing that comes to mind for me is like so often the thing that's blocking us from being productive is this lie that we've got in our head that we are productive. And in reality, we're not really producing anything. We're just being really busy.
1: Yeah. I think it was Zach. I heard him say this, maybe it was on LinkedIn or something, but it stuck out to me a ton was like, like busyness is sloppy. Mm. And why, why that's so powerful is like anytime when I was, when I was running a business, I would always talk about how full my schedule was, how much movement, how much activity, how many meetings, how many things were going on. And it was like, man, I'm busy. I don't have time for X or I don't have capacity for for Y. And ever since I think that like busyness is sloppy, it's just really stuck out to me in the way of if I hear myself say that or my friends or especially business owners that I work with, it's like, I actually like that's one of the things that I want to dig into and challenge because... There's no doubt that you're busy. Running a business is hard. It's stressful. There's a lot going on. But busyness does not mean impact. Busyness does not mean momentum. Busyness does not mean achievement. It just means you're just moving. Like you got a lot going on. And the first thing I want to do is unpack that. And really like almost the, the, the next right step usually is like, what can we eliminate? What can we automate? What can we delegate? Like, What can we get rid of? And then we're all of a sudden more productive. So it's an elimination thing.
0: Yeah. I spent some time, it was a couple of years ago now, I literally jotted down a list of the most effective leaders I've ever spent in-person time around. And, there was a list. Some of them are household names, right? That I've gotten to spend time either interviewing on the entree leadership podcast or on this podcast. Some of them I actually worked for. Some of them are from previous experiences, even in college and things like that. And I, I just made a list. And then I looked at this list and I was like, okay, what, what do these men and women have in common? One thing That they all had in common was how remarkably, like wildly effective they were. And and that's obviously a common hallmark or trait or benchmark of leadership, right? Is what are the results that you're creating? But then there was kind of this other pattern that stood out that kind of blew my mind. And it was that I could not think of a single time where I had observed any of the men or women that I had written down in a hurry. Like, I never once, and some of them I had spent a lot of time around, like a lot of time around, and I had never once seen them panic, frenzied, frazzled, like just attending to 30 things at once. I never once saw that. And I think that that connects directly to what we're talking about with busyness is like, man, it's something about. M- a mature leader a mature really effective leader that is able to sit in the power of simplicity
1: yeah and you're already going to make me go to ruthless elimination of hurry by talking about <laughs> the word hurry of like we're impact driven leaders like everyone that i work with like cares tremendously about the people that they're serving and the business that they have and again going back to sloppy like jesus like Love, joy, and peace. And, and those things just can't exist in hurry. And so if you tell me you're too busy, all you're telling me is there's like a spiritual problem here that we need to make sure that we're diving into. And that's for myself too. Like that I, the first thing I have to check if I, I don't have patience when I'm in a hurry. Like the first thing I do when I feel stressed or hurried is like, Patience goes out the door with my kids, and it's like, What am I rushing around for it's almost like a an automatic pattern that we have to we have to have this stutter step in our life to really question why are we moving this fast what is the what are the levers we're pulling to try to make an impact and actually get things done, and is this really the the right way like again just Be curious with my, I've I've started to become curious with myself when I'm in a hurry, when I'm busy, because I know I'm not being productive.
0: What I've seen you, I've been on sessions where I've seen you do that with customers too. And I, and it's something that I think is really cool about our coaching team. And honestly, our coaching community as a whole right now is like, it can be really tempting and honestly easy to just look at someone that's clearly too busy and say, you've got a tactical delegation problem. And what I believe more and more is like, when I'm too busy, it's not a tactical delegation problem. I know how how to delegate. I've got a heart problem, right? Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for out of it flows everything you do. There was a season, gosh, it was probably a year into starting the business where I was journaling and praying one morning and I realized, I feel so behind. And then I was like, behind what? Like I own this. Like there's no boss. I'm I'm not thinking about any competition in particular. I'm not even thinking about what I should be hitting that I'm not hitting. I just feel behind. And it's like, man, if that's where my heart's at, And I'm unaware of it 95% of the time, then you better believe my actions are going to be busyness, right? Because I'm going to be in this perpetual panic of like, I'm behind and I need to catch up. And so, man, it 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 was a transformative season for me. It took probably about five to six months. But to really come to terms with God of like, you're exactly where I have you for this moment. And... Your job is to do your best that you can with the resources I've given you for right now. And the best is not just frantic busyness. The best is productivity. It's results. It's how do you steward and maximize these things to create a return? And so the one thing that I would point actually attention to with regard to every enemy that we're going to talk about, there are tactical solutions, but tactical solutions are never permanent solutions. I would challenge everyone as they listen to everything we talk about today to really do the hard work to say, what is actually driving all of this? And I'm sure we'll get into more of that as we go as well. Let's jump to number two. Number two is actually one that I really admire you on in particular, just because I've gotten to see the way that you kind of act against or fight this enemy just very practically. But the second enemy of productivity is distraction. I guess I'd love to hear, first of all, like, is there a way that you've either seen this play out as an enemy for you, either as a leader or for your customers? And then we can jump into like, okay, well, what do we do with that enemy? Yeah.
1: And I think it in some way ties to some of the things that we'll talk about a little bit too in a little bit. But simply in regards to distraction is I think the more and more I've started to become aware of, I actually am very distractible and actually to my own devices, I actually am not super productive or disciplined. And so there is a lot of pre-deciding that has to happen on like, what do i care about what is the intent of this time what am i here to accomplish what am i trying to produce and i have just had to create an environment where i eliminate distractions and we'll talk about friction and some of that stuff in a minute but it's like one of the things is if i want to be productive i have to remove distractions and so one of the ways that i i think you're probably talking about is even with my phone or with apps or with things on my computer, it's like, I just have to pre-decide that those things really don't add a lot of value to my life. And I just, I just need to get rid of them, social media or whatever the thing is. It's like, what is the value of this? What is the return on the investment in this? Is this something I can leverage to be more productive or is it eliminating productivity? And if, if I have that discussion, if I have that, that conversation with myself and it's not checking the box, it's like, what is it here for? I just need to get rid of it because if it's there, I'll be distracted by it. That's just who I am, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that I, I personally feel as though there's a lot of humility in that response. It's so interesting how casually we now say, oh, I'm addicted to social media. Yikes. Like, excuse me? Like and and these are you know not everyone on here is a, a believer, right? But if if you are a believer, like addiction is a very like it's a serious sin. Right. That's not like something to like casually be like, oh, it's just very clear, you know, and I'm not saying this out of a posture of condemnation. I'm saying this is a posture of like, man, the, the worst sins in your life are the ones that you have just become complicit to and just surrendered to and say, well, that's just the way that I am. No, it's not the way that you are. It's something you are currently settling for. Right. And that's what I have to remind myself. And the minute that I say, like, uh, no, I, I refuse to accept that reality, and then have some resolution around, like, how do you deal with addiction, right? Well, if you study any of the Alcoholics Anonymous literature, step one is you got to get out of denial, and you have to admit that you are powerless to change on your own, right? And so it's like, you have to get, maybe it's tools, maybe it's other people, maybe it's God involved in the situation. and, And you can't just say like, I'm going to figure out this social media thing on my own. Cause if you do that, it already owns you. Right. And, and so the other thing that I think you said is it's really important that we don't become Pharisees and throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, okay, well I have a propensity towards being addicted to social media. So screw social media. Right. I'm not necessarily advocating for that. Some people, have a propensity to be addicted to alcohol. And so they shouldn't drink alcohol. Totally. Right? That's, I mean, quite frankly, that's me, right? I have a very addictive personality. Like it's not helpful for me to drink alcohol. So I just don't do it anymore. Right. And, and I think that there are some people that that's how they should treat social media. Some people can handle it with responsibility and it fulfills a good purpose. And I believe that everything that was created, God has allowed to be created and it can be used to honor and glorify God. Praise God for that, right? Now, How do you become the master of that thing instead of that thing becoming the master of you? And I think it goes to the question that you asked is like, what is the value that I'm getting from this? And what is the value that I'm able to provide with this? And then actually optimizing for that value. Because I think in many ways, distraction really is just a lack of intentionality, wouldn't you say? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The other thing that sticks out in my mind is. While I am a very distractible person and am not very disciplined by nature, I do think I naturally question the regular things that we just do. I think the norm I question a lot and that is what gets into distraction is like, I think I am a bit curious about why do we all do this thing? Why do I naturally go here? And that is, I don't think, I don't think social media is a bad thing. I don't think. A lot of the things that make like apps on your phone, like I actually think those things make our lives very easy. And I also know that attention is the beginning of devotion. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, if you can't control where you put your attention, or if you are giving your attention to something more than you want or desire, or you're just like being pulled towards that thing, then you need to like have an honest conversation about that yeah. and so that's just where yeah if i have instagram on my phone i just i could sit there and scroll or whatever and i just i'm just like man this is there's some good things out there but it's just not good enough for for me because it'll pull me down down that path it's
0: distracting so i think what would be helpful is maybe for us to each mention a couple things that we've done tactically to Maybe deal with this enemy of distraction. What I want to make sure people hear in this is we're not necessarily offering these as prescriptions because I don't think prescriptions are actually helpful because if the reason why you do something is because it worked for Kyle, that's not going to be a good enough reason eventually, right? So what would be really good is we want you to exercise wisdom. What is wisdom? Competence with regard to the realities of life is what Tim Keller would say. Look at what distracts you. Look at how you can engage it in a way that's valuable and then think through what do you need to do and why you would do that. And apply some of your own standards, but maybe to give some examples we can provide a couple. I guess, Kyle, what's one or two that stand out to you as in terms of practices for eliminating or fighting distraction?
1: Yeah, and let's think like we're talking about distractions for productivity, and productivity is it's accomplishing what you're set out to do. And so if something is getting in the way of what you've like set out to do, then it's it's a distraction and needs to either be altered or eliminated. and so, Some of the things that I have done is like, man, throughout my career, I was super busy, what we just talked about. And then I would get home and I couldn't shut off my brain and I struggled to be present with my family. And then coming into this this job, there was a different rhythm, but I learned a lot of lessons throughout my career of like coming home. And I I don't want to be distracted when I'm home. And so one of the things that I've done that I've stuck to, not perfectly, but makes a huge difference for me being present at home and not being distracted is like my phone is just not around me. When I get home or when I'm done with work, uh, a habit I try to keep is my phone actually doesn't leave my office now that I work at home. Like my phone doesn't really leave this room. And so that's one way that I
0: practically eliminate a distraction. And I've experienced that from you. There's times where I've, you know, and it's after hours, right? But I try to get a hold of Kyle, and then I'm like, and I'm in Arizona, right? So we're in different time zone, and I'll forget that. I'll, oh, yeah, I'm calling him at six or seven o'clock, right? And I'm like, Dad where's Kyle? And then I, I look at, and then I look at the time, and I'm like, oh, like he's like doing what he said he would do, which is being with Jess and his kids. And I want leaders to hear that. Like when I have that realization, my my gut says awesome. Like he's doing what he said he was going to do. Praise God for that. Because Mm -hmm. if he builds that discipline with his family, like that's going to transition to the way you work too. One more question for you on that. I have worked with one-on-one customers before that they do exactly what what you're talking about. They say, I'm going to prioritize family. I don't have kids yet, right? But I've observed this for people with kids where they say, I'm going to prioritize family in the evenings. I'm going to turn off my phone. And they still really struggle to be present and they often find themselves drawn back to the phone, right? Or drawn back to looking at email or drawn back into work in the time that they said they wanted to be with their family. Any advice for that person or how would you counsel that person as a dad of young kids, as a husband, and as someone that is in a fast paced job as well? Yeah,
1: this may be something we'll mention a couple times today, but Belief drives behavior. And that is just a phrase that has been really powerful for me recently. But how that's played out for me in the past is like, we like to be the hero or we want to be useful. And it's really easy. I'll speak for myself. It was really easy for me to be pulled back into work because that was a place that I could like see results. And so I'm at home. Uh, is this the most, is this the best use of my time just playing with my kids when I could answer an email or solve a problem or be the hero? And so I would just be a little bit curious on what are you believing in those moments? I would, I would ask questions like another principle, like the quality of your results will never exceed the quality of your questions. So it's like, man, what, why am I doing this? What, what am I believing? What am I feeling? Another practical thing for me to eliminate distractions was when I actually went to work and came home was i would I would park in front of my house for not in front down the road from my house for like ten minutes and like it's hard to click off it's hard to go from like high paced busyness with a bunch of things coming at me to then a, a different rhythm and pace at home, and so I needed to like debrief and kind of like take a deep breath and then almost like get a new intention on what my mind and my heart is shifting to and so i would just take those moments to be like what are the things that are out like outliers right now what are the things that are stressing me out right now do you know what are the things that are just hanging out there that would potentially pull me away and it's like is that something i can control right now or is that something i just need to let go and deal with tomorrow and Again, there's things that pop up and I was never perfect at it, but getting some of those rhythms, being curious, getting to the core, what's the belief? Why am I struggling with this? I think would be really helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. We said that intentionality is the opposite of distraction, right? And I think sometimes we focus so much on what we're against, Being like, I'm against the phone. I'm against social media. I'm against the email. Right. Well, the thing that people need to know about habit forming is you don't, you don't eliminate bad habits. You replace them. Right. And so the minute you try to get rid of something like your phone after five PM, you've now created a vacuum. And you're not going to, you're, you're a very, uh, aim oriented creature. And we'll talk about that more probably Mm. on the next episode in this series, but you create in a vacuum and in the, if you don't put aim into that vacuum, then you will deviate back to your previous ways because you do have aim in your phone. It provides that for you readily. It's fast food aim, but it's aim nonetheless. You have it in your email, you have it at work, all of that. And so the question that I often like to ask people is, what is your vision for your time with your family? What is your vision for your Sabbath day that you have, right? What if, because if you start to have an aim for what you want it to be, I mean, I, I've experienced this personally. Like when I get really intentional about, man, what would be like the absolute best date night that I could have with Aspen tonight? How could we just hit a grand slam and spend some time prayerfully asking that question, it's amazing how I put my phone away at 5 p.m. and I don't even think about it because I'm so immersed in the mm. adventure of making the date night that I envisioned that morning happen, right? And so a lot of times what you're missing is a sense of adventure. And the good news is, is you have the ability and the imagination and and the capacity to envision to create that sense of, of adventure in any area of your life. Mm. I tell you what, let's do one more enemy on this episode. And then we'll record a part two next time. This feels very true to form to our phone (laughs) conversations. Like, oh, my gosh, we're just getting so into this, like we scheduled for 30 minutes. So this is going to take three hours. So very good. Okay, so we talked about busyness, we talked about distraction. Let's move on to friction next. So this is one that you really said, man, this is an enemy that I'd like to call attention to. Because I think it's one that you found a lot of value into intentionally encountering. But it's also... One that I know you do a lot of work with your customers on. So, talk about the enemy of friction and how it shows up. Yeah. So,
1: again, like productivity, like I'm aiming to do something, but then why am I not doing it? And one of the areas is because there's so many things in the way of me actually being able to do that thing. So, I'm just one of the first questions that I ask if someone tells me they want to do something you know the the first question of what what is preventing us from actually doing it and when you start to dive deeper into these things it's often things that are actually very controllable that we just don't realize we're making it harder on ourselves and so i think there's a the the classic maybe example from like even just not really in the business world but more in like the personal world is if I'm wanting to exercise or I'm wanting to eat better, like let's make sure we're setting up an environment for that to actually be possible. And let me not have Oreos like in the easiest place to be, but then know that I would have to cook something that's healthy. There's just no friction in the bad choice. A lot of friction in, in the, the good choice and, and we could go on and on with that. So what is the friction in the things that I want to do? And then I would even double down and say, put more friction in the places of things that you don't want to do, which is part of the reason why I don't have certain apps on my phone and I keep my phone away from me because that's adding a lot of friction between me and a distraction.
0: So good. I feel like I should confess an area where I may have failed in this recently. I, uh, so I went to the store and we were having some people over. We were having our small group over for dinner. And I, I went to the store to get just a few more things for what Aspen was cooking. And I said, just thought to myself, like, oh, we should do dessert as well. And so I bought a carton of chocolate chip Telemook ice cream uh, and was stoked about it. Chocolate chip is like my favorite flavor and brought it back. right. And that wasn't bad, right? Like a special occasion that night. We were having people over. It going to be great. And then got back and she's making cookie dough. And I'm like, oh, dang it. Like, I didn't realize you were going to make cookies because if I knew you were making chocolate chip cookies, I wouldn't have gotten chocolate chip ice cream. I would have gotten vanilla ice cream. Right. And because I was like, I like the really the ultimate combo is chocolate chip cookies with vanilla ice cream. Like, I really believe that. And uh, so we discussed it a little bit. <laughs> I said like, okay, I'm going to go back to the store and get some vanilla ice cream too. Uh, and so now I'm in this situation where we've got two cartons of ice cream in the freezer. There's no friction. <laughs> it's just awful. right? Yeah. And, and so I am experiencing real time, the fact that I don't have any friction on something that I uh, have very little self-control around and it's not a good scenario. Right. So yeah, I guess I would appreciate people's support and prayers in that, but, <laughs> (laughs) Uh, I guess the the other thing that comes to mind, though, as it relates to friction is, I mean, this is literally why we created the path for growth fundamentals, right, is because, Mm -hmm. I mean, the greatest blocker to people working on their business is the fact that they are always working in their business and there are always fires to put out, right? There is zero friction to you finding a fire to put out in your business. And here's what I want people to really hear too, is that will never not be the case, right? There there will never be a day where you're like, oh, I finally put out all the fires." And so now I can work on the business. It will always be super easy for you to find fires to put out, right? The the fires aren't going anywhere. It may be new and different types of fires, but there will always be fire, right? And so what do we need to do? We need to make it as easy and clear, and direct, and step-by-step step as possible to take the next right action for working on the business? And what if we could make working on the business as frictionless as working in the business? And, and that was our goal with the fundamentals. And I mean, you, you have been on the front lines with people of applying these things. I, I feel like it's safe to say, like, we've seen the power of reducing friction in helping people accomplish what they want to do with regard to installing structure in their organization. Totally. I actually have a lot of probably
1: conversations I've had in the past few days about this, but one that comes to my mind is I was just talking to Jared about potentially hiring someone in his business. And obviously there's financial things, there's role things to talk about there, but it's not even really that. Really a lot of the friction that we would say around this was like, well, what am I going to be doing? And I think where we have really stepped in and clarified is I didn't have to make something up. I didn't have to be smart in that moment. There's a little pause of insecurity in him and wonder because it's just easy to work in the business. You're you're a tactician. You're an operator. You built it off of your solving problems and moving the business forward. And now stepping up, there's a little bit of insecurity there. There's what does it mean for me to work on the business? And that is where like the fundamentals come into play, but also role clarity comes into play because we already pre-decided what it looks like to work on the business as a CEO. And so now what does it look like for you to fully step into that role? And then like, he's the one that wrote those success statements. But but when it comes to the choice of working in the business and on the business, having that clarity on the business, operating as a CEO, working through the fundamentals, making sure there's healthy growth, there's, there's healthy rhythms, there's healthy structure for the business to grow is the new focus. And we just had to talk through that because we have a propensity to go to where it's easier and where it's more natural. And there is friction in the unknown. And, and these fundamentals and, and role success statements create a known for us to walk into and give us a lot of direction and clarity on on where we can take our business to the next level.
0: I think that's so so powerful and I think a, a good spot to close this episode. We will continue with the six enemies of productivity next week on the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed so that you see that episode right as we upload it. Just to review busyness number one, remember that there's a difference between productivity and busyness. And just because you're doing a lot doesn't mean you're getting a lot of results. Uh, number two is distraction. And we said that intention is often the blocker or the uh, the antidote to distraction. And then finally, friction. And everything that Kyle just said about clarity creates action is so helpful in that arena. I feel like it would be worth saying at the end of this episode that Kyle is one of our one-on-one coaches that helps business owners and business leaders walk through the fundamentals. There's 12 of them for healthy business and install them into their business. If you're someone that is interested in working with a one-on-one coach through the guided path to make that happen, we'll put the link into the show notes and you can have a phone call with Kyle. He can hear a lot about your business and see if it would be a good fit for you. Kyle, anything else you would tell people before we go today? No, this is exciting. I'm loving it. (laughs) <laughs> I agree. Very cool. Well, we'll be back next week for the final three enemies of productivity. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We're praying for you. We're going to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.